0: Good Friday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for joining us on the I Love Seville show live in downtown Charlottesville in the Macklin building, our studio on Market Street right next to the Charlottesville Police Department, a block away from the Albemarle County Courthouse, the Charlottesville Courthouse. Um, a block away from the downtown mall, the movers and shakers in this community walk by our storefront and our studio on a daily basis. Today alone, we've seen a couple of supervisors, a couple of counselors, a judge, a handful of bankers, three hedge fund titans, and a developer, all giving Judah Wickhauer a wave from the sidewalk on Market Street. Were they waving to you? Was it you they were waving to? No, who is this? Okay, so it was not Judah. Um, I I gave him the salute back. Uh, (laughs) On today's program, take a look at the screen for the topics we will cover today. There was a dust-up, a brouhaha, if you may, between Ludwig Kootner and a street musician, also known as a busker. I don't know if this guy counts as a busker. Do you know the one? And can people see you, or are you just doing the voice of God, which we've talked about many times? I am the voice of... You don't think this man constitutes a busker? What is the definition of busker? A busker is someone who plays music in a public space in return for potentially gaining money. Is that not the definition of a busker? Sure. Then why wouldn't you characterize this gentleman as a busker?
1: Maybe I'm mistaking him for someone else.
0: Uh... I've seen this man busk many times. Okay. Maybe he is. He's a busker.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, you said he wasn't a busker. i I also said maybe I was mistaken in who I thought this guy was.
0: Well, are, who do you think he is? A clapping man with the ginormous biceps who screams at the top of his lungs and violently claps his hands together? That He's got luscious dreads, wears Rastafarian clothing. Chief Kachis just drove by. Is that who you would characterize as that's who you thought it was? Or did you think it was the guy who carries the cane? and screams at the top of his lung. He's smaller than Clapping Man, not as physically intimidating. Um, screaming at the top of his lungs, carrying a cane, or what do we call it in previous shows? Was it a cane or a staff of some kind? Staff, Almost good. like a shepherd's staff? It, this busker is the neither cru- of them. What's that? Yeah, yeah. I
1: think I was, think- I was at least generally thinking of those, those two.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. This is a gentleman that bangs whole main drums and is often is it prophesizing, prophesizing of yes. Jesucristo on the downtown mall. Hmm. Uh, I'll give you the nitty gritty here. I will highlight that Ludwig is a friend of the program. I uh, have done business with him in the past, uh, do business now, and believe he is an asset to this community. And I'll explain why. Um, on today's program, we'll talk about the University of Virginia. Three full time administrators, or excuse me, excuse me, one full time administrator the University of Virginia employs and pays per every three undergraduate students. That number caught Judah's nuts. attention. What's that? That's nuts. It caught Judah's attention. And when he, in our pre production meeting, relayed, Did you know that the University of Virginia is paying one full time? Time administrator for every three undergraduate students my jaw hit the table on this set that's crazy i want to ask a very straightforward question is uva's bloated payroll yielding or leading or birthing or producing the gentrification of higher education in Charlottesville?
1: and sadly i don't think they're alone in uh United States universities.
0: Interestingly, Deep Throat sends us a link. Vanderbilt keeps two to to one. He says, I'm going to read this right here. Vanderbilt keeps two to one student to admin support staff ratio, which is even worse, if you may. Two to one. An analyst in an analysis by the website, The College Fix shows Vanderbilt University employed 517 full-time administrators and support staff in the 2021-2022 academic year for every 1,000 undergraduate students, a more than one-to-two ratio. That is terrifying. Yeah. At the University of Virginia, according to the same website, The College Fix, uh, the University of Virginia employs one full-time administrator for every three undergraduates at the school. That is crazy. Crazy. This is why it costs so much money to go to college. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to unpack this and the impact it has on our community, the impact it has on our children potentially attending the University of Virginia on the Friday, January 19th edition of the I Love Seville show. If you put the headlines back on screen so the viewers and listeners can see them, let us know when you have the red circle around the potential homeless shelter in Belmont. You have it! yeah, Judah, you're a... Jack of all trades, a gentleman, a scholar, and a fantastic addition to this program. Check out that email I sent you as well if you can. Um, I want to talk on today's show about Charlottesville Police and whether they should be walking the downtown mall with noise meters. They once did this. Hall Spencer has a compelling report on the Daily Progress. Hall Spencer lives right right around the corner from the I Love Seville studio. I routinely see Hall Spencer from our studio vantage point carrying groceries from the Market Street market and 12 packs of Corona while he walks down Market Street and takes a left on 5th and heads to his bachelor pad. Hall Spencer, a fantastic journalist, has a story on Ludwig Kootner getting in a dust-up with a Charlottesville busker. And Buried in this story is this question. Should police carry noise ordinance or noise meters to enforce noise ordinances on the downtown mall? They used to do this in years past. I want to talk to John Blair's commentary. He's number two in the Power Poll. Let me know if you can get John Blair's photo on screen. He sent me an email that I found extremely compelling at 1017 this morning. Uh, On his thoughts on Albemarle County's closing of schools, John Blair, I'll give you a few paragraphs to wet the whistle, writes this. While I understand that it's easy, he writes, to be portrayed as a, quote, get off my lawn, end quote, type of Grinch regarding the closure of Albemarle County schools today, I think it's worth noting the following. These are John Blair's words. Albemarle County's winter break began when the school ended on December 15th. The kids did not go back to school until January 2nd. The kids attended school on the 2nd through the 5th of January. Four school days. The kids attended school from January 8th through the 12th. Five school days. The kids only attended one day of school this week, and that was two hours late. Next week, Albemarle County Public Schools are off on the 25th and the 26th for teacher work days. John Blair writes, So in 44 calendar days... From, Jan- from December 16th, December 16th to January 29th, the kids have been in school for 13 days. Assuming there are no weather delays, cancellations next week, and one of those days was a two-hour late day on January 8th, 18th. Excuse me. John Blair says this. It does not take a Curry School Ph.D. to understand that this is not optimal for the students. As with all things education, the kids most affected by by this calendar are the kids who are struggling the most. The New Yorker and other national publications have recently ran stories about chronic absenteeism. One of the parents in the New Yorker article said a major factor in this trend is the fact that schools act like they don't want to be open. The school's close for any and all types of weather or conditions. Kids internalize that and start to feel like school really is not a big deal. I sincerely worry that we're setting the same example at Almaro County. If you're a kid who already doesn't like school and doesn't see a lot of use in it, is the school only being open for 13 out of 44 days really giving a good message to those kids? God, it's such a good email, John. Such a good email from John Blair. It's such a good talking point. And I will further that talking point by highlighting this. The private school calendar is very different from this one. Very different from this one. When it comes to days kids are in the classroom and learning in person. We will unpack that on today's program. I want to start the show by talking about a headline that I realize is going to drive significant political and community engagement. This is a story from Charlottesville Tomorrow, the news nonprofit. And the headline I will read to you verbatim. Are you ready, Judah? Mm-hmm. The city manager, Sam Sanders, will ask council to buy a $4 million dollar Belmont property and build a new homeless shelter first I think we need to depict where this homeless shelter could go with a photo from Google Street View if you may Judah B. Whitkower. can we put the photos on screen it's like you read my mind it's like we've worked together for 13 plus years or something the photo is on screen home to formerly community bikes This particular building, currently owned by the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. Now, Sam Sanders wants to buy not one Judah, but two buildings, 405 Avon Street and 405 Levy Avenue. If you have a photo or a Google map with a red circle around it, please, that would mean the world to me if you can put it on screen. This is right off Hitton Avenue. This is right off, is it Rialto Street? I always have a hard time. Rialto. Without. Rialto Street? Thank you, Judah. Right off Grave Street. A hop, skip, and a jump from Belmont Avenue. Right next to Lampo Pizzeria. <clears throat> is, is pizzeria still an in vogue term? Was it ever in vogue? Is it pizzeria or pizza parlor? You're saying pizzeria was, was never cool or the right nomenclature? It may have been. Is it pizza parlor or pizzeria? Hmm. What's the preferred or more in vogue nomenclature? I'd say that uh, Lambo is more of a pizzeria. Then why? Because parlo, parlor has connotations of being more common man or common woman. Yeah, I'd say. And Lampo is more elevated and upscale with its price point, offering and clientele. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'd say pizza parlor
1: is more like a pub, whereas pizzeria is more like a, you know a classy joint. Pizzeria is classier than pizza parlor. <laughs> I, I'm making this up. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. That's just the my my first impression. Do you agree with that, viewers and listeners? Yeah.
0: Anybody agree with me? How do you feel about City Council and Charlottesville City spending $4 million in unused American Rescue Plan Act funds? I also have this question Why are the funds still unused from the American Rescue Act? Why are these funds still sitting in account unspent? It's a good question, but I
1: think it's also an indication that they're not just grabbing any money that they can get their hands on
0: and spending it wherever they feel like spending it. And that's what local government will respond with. Are, the, are these American Rescue Act funds associated with contributions during the pandemic? I would believe they are. This is, this is the question I have for you. Should $4 million be allocated to 405 Avon Street and 405 Levy Avenue? Can you put the photos back on screen and rotate them with the Google Map? circles, if you could, this potential homeless shelter will legitimately be in an area surrounded by six, seven, $800,000 homes. This homeless shelter will legitimately be in an area surrounded by a number of locally owned businesses, including, as I've highlighted already, Lampo, hop, skip, and a jump from Salt and Kebab, hop, skip, and a jump away from the businesses at X Park, like Three Notch Brewery, a hop, skip, and a jump away from Therapy 360, a hop, skip, and a jump away from a number of law firms. I mean, you could probably, give me a Google Map Street View or a Google Map if you type in... The 405 Avon Street, I'm going to do it as well. And let's see what immediately strikes us is the businesses in that area, okay? I'm doing it, 405. Downtown Family Healthcare jumps out to me. What else jumps out to you there, Judah? Yaddie's Alterations.
1: Yep, that's Kitty Corner right, uh, right behind um,
0: the Pi, what is that place called? Barbie's Burrito Barn within spitting distance. Ferguson Plumbing within spitting distance. Quality Pie very much Quality within pie, spitting distance. I, I mean, Kitty Corner or Catty Corner? Kitty Corner. Why can't it be Catty Corner? You want me to look it up? Is it not Catty Corner? CNO in the melting pot within a pitching wedge of this homeless shelter. And I, I'm sure this will be fodder. For the meme accounts, and I think after today's show, Judah might have a meme account of his own. You welcome the meme account, do you not?
1: I, I, I wouldn't mind. I mean, you know, it's, what a sign of uh, a sign of people's interest in my uh, commentary. Yeah, your perspective. No, I I honestly don't care. It's no. not even something that I would. I might uh, take a look when you point out, hey Judah, they're like saying nasty stuff about you, like. <laughs> Well, it's about time somebody was.
0: <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> is Is a smack dab in the middle of one of Charlottesville City's most densely populated neighborhoods, a neighborhood that undoubtedly is one of the top top tax revenue generators in the city? Because let's cut to the chase. These are high dollar houses. A neighborhood that is home to a number of locally owned businesses—is this the right spot for a homeless shelter? Judah B. Wickhauer.
1: it's really not that close to I would co-
0: what I would call Belmont proper. That is Belmont proper. That is Belmont proper.
1: How is that Belmont proper? I thought Belmont proper was like the area with you know the area with the local and that's downtown Belmont. It's. There's a downtown Belmont.
0: Yeah, downtown Belmont is where the local Kamal, Mockingbird, Tavala, and Mas Tapas are located. That's downtown Belmont. This location right this up is, the road from Quality Uptown. Pie, Uptown Belmont. You could potentially this could be Southside Belmont. This is Belmont. I mean, where do you put a homeless shelter in the city of Charlottesville? I mean that's a
1: great question. Is this the homeless shelter right in the city
0: of Charlottesville? Is the homeless shelter in the city of Charlottesville best done in joint venture capacity with Albemarle County that may have more space for it? Why not both? God look at the red circle that you did around there. It looks like our oldest son did that red circle right there. I like it. It looks very good. You, you think he could do that well with a mouse? Oh my gosh, he is extremely talented. <laughs> When it comes to technology, it scares the bejesus out of me. Deep Throat watching the program. Let's get Deep Throat's photo on screen. This is a true representation of Deep Throat, we swear. No one knows who Deep Throat is, so this actually is not a representation of him. The man lurks in the shadows. Deep Throat does. In the shadows of 4th Street, he lurks next to the home, the former cigar shop, in the alley Behind Market Street Market and where the cigar shop and red pump kitchen are located, you may find Deep Throat in a conversation with elected official wearing a trench coat, sunglasses, a pipe in his mouth, and a ball cap on, lurking in the shadows as he conversates with attorneys, political officials, assessors, and judges, getting the scoop and the details that is all things Charlottesville, now Marrow County related. Deep Throat says, one point of clarification on the Belmont shelter. The current order owner is the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. He's exactly right. Yeah. So with this particular purchase, Deep Throat says, the city is buying it from an associated agency. So that is sort of like moving money from one pocket to another. The true economic cost, Deep Throat says, will not be the property purchase, but the cost of constructing a new facility on the site and the cost of operating it. So I think the land purchase is just arbing ARRA. The ARRA money couldn't just go to C R H A. So this way City gets the money from ARRA and then funnels it to CRHA. And then we need to get the AARP to talk with the NAACP, okay, and then we need to get the ABA to talk to the MBA. I added the last part. It's a shuffling of dollars, he says. He says the true cost is the cost of construction and the cost of managing the facility moving forward. How do you think Belmontodians will feel about a homeless shelter being constructed in their neighborhood?
1: Could you ask that same question of any neighborhood in
0: Charlottesville? I think you probably could. Okay. Fair. That's fair. So you're saying this, and I agree with you. The homeless shelter should be positioned in a place that is strategic to where the need is and not based on the socioeconomic demographics of the surrounding neighborhood around the shelter. Is that what you're saying? Sounds good to me. Okay, Judah said it just like I would say it. Uh, Stacy Baker Patty watching the program is Stacy Baker Patty on the on the viewer rankings? No. Stacy Baker Patty is she on the rankings? No, Stacy Baker Patty needs to be in the rankings. Did you move Stephanie Wells Rhodes up? Stephanie Wells Rhodes is in the 18th slot. I love that Stephanie Wells Rhodes is on Ilovecivil.com forward slash viewer rankings. Stacy Baker Patty needs to be in the viewer rankings at number 34. If you could update that list to include Stacy Baker Patty at number four in the power poll, I will get to you, Bill McChesney and James Watson. Stacy Baker Patty says, "I've often wondered why the old Kmart building." would not or could not be used for a homeless shelter. Yeah. Corin Capshaw's team owns that. The old Kmart location.
1: I guess that's probably why.
0: There's your answer. Why the homeless shelter is being considered at the site of 405 Levy Avenue and 405 Avon Street is why Judah? Because the property is free, because... Well, it's not necessarily free, but it's got a buyer that basically is the city.
1: I don't mean free as in doesn't cost any money. I meant free as in available. Um, You're shuffling the dollars, as he's highlighting. That's not necessarily... I mean, is is that good city governance? Is that good... uh, Vanessa
0: Parkhill, welcome to the broadcast. Wouldn't it be
1: better than, say, uh, trying to buy something from someone who has a vested interest in in pulling as much money out of the city as possible Uh, and you know for instance on a floodplain somewhere um, as opposed to buying a property that won't be complicated for the city to get a hold of and is currently not being used now it's gonna be right at the tail end of the bridge coming you know coming over from uh, the downtown mall um, but, again, how
0: many free buildings are there in, in the city of Charlottesville where, we, where you could build a homeless shelter? And from a perception standpoint, how would taxpayers respond if the city of Charlottesville was utilizing uh, city resources to purchase a building from a private owner? Yeah. Would that be seen? And, and what leverage would the private owner have over the city in negotiating that deal? We've seen quite a bit of that recently. Uh, <clears throat> Wendellwood. I <coughs> am United yeah. Land Company. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Rivana River. High <coughs> <My> Street. <coughs> uh, Rivana Station. North of Elmore on the Green Line. <coughs> Is that what you're talking about there, Judah? Something like that. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, Philip Dow, let's get Philip Dow's photo on screen, Philip, you've been making the program really good lately. Sincerely mean that, uh, King of Scottsville. Philip Dow's number 19 in the power poll. He may be climbing the rankings, Philip Dow. He says, "What will be the ongoing cost to manage and maintain these shelters?" Damn good question. Kelly Postle Jackson says, "We aren't in the '50s yet. Kelly's watching. Kelly's trying to, trying to climb up the power pole. Kelly, this comment has secured your spot as number eight in the power rankings. I'm going to respond to Kelly. I love when Kelly Jackson watches the poll. Hello. This comment has secured your spot in the rankings. We have missed you of late. And then I'm going to send her the power poll ranking. KJ, love when you watch the program, KJ. How will Belmontonians respond to a homeless shelter adjacent to their $700,000 and $800,000 homes? And I'm going to ask you a follow-up question to are this. Is it
1: really that expensive right on that block? Dude, what do you mean?
0: I mean, I've driven by that block. I, are you I, – I mean, I, I understand the real estate is more my cup of tea than your your cup of tea – but have you seen Belmont Avenue?
1: This isn't Belmont Avenue, though. It's a hop, skip, and a jump. I know.
0: Have you seen some of the homes on That's... Hinton or Levy Avenue? I mean, have you seen some of the homes on Graves Street? I used to live off Little Graves. Okay. It's it's six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. Okay.
1: If you say
0: so. I got a straightforward question here. Does a homeless shelter, this is a straightforward question. Would a homeless shelter impact property value in Belmont if the shelter was adjacent or down the street from your five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollar home? I would imagine it would. Well, you think so? This is your take, not mine. You may be giving fodder to the memers. Why, Judah, why? Why? I mean, it, I think
1: it all depends on how well this is uh, put together.
0: <clears throat> He's, Bill I mean, McChesney says, Judah, little cottages in Belmont are going for $500,000 right now. And these are the tiniest of the cottages for five hundred K. That's yeah. pretty much the entry point right now. You look at some of the homes on Chesapeake, now they do have upzoning potential. We're talking five hundred thousand dollar asking prices. With this new upzoning, it's the wild, wild, wild west. Oh, uh, so we're going there, eh? Finish your thought. I apologize for interrupting you. Um what was I talking about? How this impacts property value, my friend. Well, I mean, we can all imagine what
1: uh, this would be like if it turns out to be another haven.
0: Where are you going with this? Wow, I'll sit back and listen.
1: Well, there's a reason we had people setting up tents in the park. It's because it's right across the street from the haven, right? Right. I'm listening so if this turns out to be just like a stopping off point for uh, for houseless individuals where they can come and get a bite to eat, then I can see something similar well
0: shelter is a is a is a sleeping place is it not? yeah, but we don't know exactly what they're going to build here until
1: it actually happens so while it may be an interesting proposition until it's actually until there's some you know somebody has some blueprints for what they intend to put there, uh, you know, I'll I'll hold my judgment and say that, yeah, if this turns out to be a place where you just have a bunch of people hanging out on the front porch and possibly uh, moving into, uh, I mean, moving into as in walking into the surrounding neighborhoods, and then it, I believe it could have a Negative effect on property values in the, in the immediate area. I don't know how far that would go, but I doubt anybody's going to say I'm insane for suggesting it.
0: J- Judah Wickhauer, a voice of reason on the Friday edition of the I Love Seville show. Jim Hinchley, we will get to your comment in a matter of moments. CC Marks sends me a direct message. I just received a message we all did from Albemarle County Public Schools. They have green-lighted after-school activities, including basketball games. Yet children are not in school learning right now. Can you explain the priorities to me? From C.C. Marks. C.C. Marks, thank you for that DM. I was not aware that they greenlit after-school sports and other activities. On the same day, they kept school from being open. That seems rather What's the word I'm looking for? Dysfunctional? Pointless? Priority? Disorganization? A bit concerning? Wouldn't the snow that's coming down pose to How pose is the a snow more still coming down? Wouldn't it, the snow that's coming down literally right now pose more of a problem as the weather gets colder when it becomes nighttime as opposed to daytime and the roads freeze? I don't think anyone
1: is was expecting us to to still be seeing falling snow at this time of day.
0: Vanessa Parkhill, I'll get to your comments in a matter of moments. Jim Hingley in watching fact, the program. My weather app. Jim Hingley says by comparison Ridge Street and Fifeville have $500,000 plus homes close to the Salvation Army 58 bed shelter. Oh, he's offering a barometer for us. Uh, Jim Hingley, a voice of reason in this community. Huge fans of Jim Hingley on this mm-hmm. show. Ridge Street and Fifeville, by comparison, have $500,000-plus homes close to a Salvation Army 58 bad shelter. One of the challenges of a landlocked city with little room for development is you have to make tough decisions of where you put a shelter. And while everyone, including me, no one take me out of context, although I'm sure there will be accounts that do, I support housing for everyone everywhere. How you solve homelessness is put folks that are homeless in homes. I'm all for that. We're realistic individuals and we understand that when Sam Sanders on Monday city council meeting, remember the meeting was canceled this past week due to snow, when it's rescheduled for Monday, when he presents a homeless shelter in Tony, prestigious, yuppie, homogenous, and wealthy Belmont, the Belmontonians will come out in full force as if they were... Charlotte's Villians to IPAs, or Charlotte's Villians to uh, the Prosecco at Marie or Charlotte's Villians to the Crushed Ice at Jack and Jill's, or Charlotte's Villians to the Bacon Cheeseburger at Riverside, or Charlotte's Villians to the Cheese Dip at the Aberdeen Barn, or Charlotte's Villians to Grills with at the white spot. I can continue, but Judah's giving me the, the... He's telling me not to. I will stop. Philip Dow says, I can see property value going down. If it might affect my house, I would totally be against it. Bill McChesney says, put Bill McChesney's photo on screen. Build it down where Morse Creek overflowed. It will help with the cleanup. Bill McChesney says, uh, they, could put a, they could put a tower on the corner like the one at Copley and Ivy Road. He says the open area where better living used to be will be the new tent city. Vanessa Parkhill says, um, she has a couple of comments. Get Vanessa Parkhill's photo on screen. Based on initiatives typically supported by city residents, I think this is a good move. City residents supported redevelopment of Garrett Square to a mixed income development. In keeping with that spirit, a place for the homeless near $700,000 single-family homes in Belmont should be okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, she also says this. Vanessa, your comments are great. I think, feds, I, f- I think the feds may be putting pressure on the recipients of those COVID-era dollars and funds to either spend the money or return it. To Deep Throat's point, it's the city's way of making sure they get to keep the money, never mind the future, f- uh, future funds that will they will need uh, to commit to ensure the long-term viability of the project. Deep Throat driving engagement from his alleyway vantage point behind our studio and red pump kitchen while wearing his trench coat, sunglasses, Stenson hat, lurking in the shadows of the downtown mall. Deep Throat's got another comment. I love the viewers and listeners. The viewers and listeners are the star of the show. Jude and I are simply the conductors. He says, deep throat, do you blame the Belmontonians? It's not like the homeless industrial complex in Seville has done a great job mitigating the impacts of places like the Haven on the neighborhood. He says a competent manager can make social service facilities work compatibly with neighborhoods. In Brooklyn, for example, I lived around the corner from a methadone clinic. The clinic made sure to mitigate impacts and it was fine. Warrior AG watching the program. How will a homeless shelter affect property values? Clearly, he thinks it will. Albert Graves says, what's the name of the new shelter in Belmont because the homeless shelter on Ridge Street has a world-renowned name like the Salvation Army that helps the property values on Ridge stay pat. That's a damn good comment. I'm going to retweet this. Albert Graves, fantastic stuff from Albert Graves. Can you get Albert Graves' photo on screen? Number 10 in the Power Poll. This is a fantastic comment. Fantastic comment. I mention this live on air on the I Love Seville VA show. Does the branding for the homeless shelter matter to preserve property values? If one homeless shelter is called the Salvation Army, which has a national, if not global brand, Does that moniker, that brand, the connotations behind the Salvation Army? It's called brand equity in our business. The brand equity of the Salvation Army, does that create a feeling of safety and security and preserve property values when a Salvation Army is positioned within a neighborhood? If the homeless shelter that is controlled and run and financed by the city is called the Charlottesville Homeless Shelter, will that create brand equity that is not synonymous with the Salvation Army further resulting in property value loss? That's a damn good question.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean,
0: Should the city, after it acquires this property, form a joint venture to allow the Salvation Army to create version 2.0? Does the city want to be in the homeless shelter operation business? Or should it just take the funds from one cup where it's playing three-card money, or guess where the ball is with the three cups on the side of a dark alley in Manhattan, shuffling the ball from one cup to another on a cardboard box while a derelict is passing the cups and the ball back and forth and trying to hustle you out of $20 on a street in Manhattan? Is the city doing this? The money, the $4 million under one cup, two other cups empty, and it's just shifting the money back and forth. Should the city, after it shifts the money back and forth, say, I don't want to be in the homeless shelter business. I'm going to form a joint venture and allow the Salvation Army to do it in part to preserve property value and to maintain community confidence. Fantastic stuff from Albert Graves. Anything else you want to add, my friend, to this conversation before we go to our next headline? Ooh, got a shared post from Jim Hensley. Jim, I got it. Uh, thank you for sharing that post. I did not see it initially in the DM, but I saw it the other way you communicated with me. Thank you very much, Jim Hensley. He says the 58-bed shelter in Fifeville is close to many businesses as well. Uh, I want to get to these other topics. I, I'm going to text my 1.30 p.m. phone call and see if we can slide it to 1.45 p.m. hey. Can we slide our call to 1.45 p.m., comma, please? Text sent. Okay. This will allow longer conversation. Anything else you want to say on this topic, j before we go to the next one? Uh, no. No? No final thoughts? All right. How about the University of Virginia next headline if you want to put a lower third on screen? Have, been you, have you been using the lower thirds? No. Please, can we use the lower thirds? So those that are just tuning in can see what we're speaking about. Can we put the lower third, please, on screen for UVA pays one full-time admin per three undergrads, please, sir? I found this startling. And evidently, it's even worse at Vanderbilt. Thank you, Deep Throat, for that link. Ah, he said, yes, 145. Thank you. Um, This, according to the website, thecollegefix.com, the University of Virginia employs one full-time administrator for every three undergraduates at the school, according to an analysis conducted by the College Fix. That is roughly a 9.3% increase from the 2013-2014 school year, according to the analysis, which use data provided by UVA to the federal integrated post education data system. During the 2013-2014 school year, there were 291 full-time administrators and support staff employees per 1,000 undergraduates. And in 2021-2022, the most recent year for which data are available, there were 318 full-time administrators and support staff per 1,000 undergraduates. Meanwhile, the number of full-time educators per 1,000 undergraduates has stayed roughly the same over the last 10 years, hovering at an average of 103 instructors per 1,000 students. That is freaking crazy. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. The university also continues to raise its tuition most recently by 3% for the 2024-2025 school year. I want to. This is so bananas to me. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. I'm going to read these two paragraphs for you again. Please listen carefully. I'll read them slowly. UVA, during the 2013-2014 school year, there were 291 full-time administrators and support staff employees per 1,000 undergraduates. In the 2021-2022 school year, there were 318 full-time administrators and support staff per 1,000 undergrads. From a teacher standpoint... There's 103 teachers or professors, instructors, per 1,000 undergraduates, and that number has stayed the same over the last 10 years. The payroll is getting bloated with paper pushers instead of educators. i want to say this loud, I want to say it again, and I want to make sure everyone that's listening to our Fine and Fair talk show hears this. The payroll is getting bloated with paper pushers and yes people, as opposed to educators of our children. Is this bloated... I'm sweating profusely. Are you sweating? No. I'm sweating. It's because you get so worked up. I'm sweating. Is this bloated payroll causing the gentrification of education at University of Virginia, creating an even more homogenous, wealthy, and student body lacking diversity? Is it creating a student body experience that is pay-for-play... Only the wealthy can attend, and those that may have the educational acumen cannot cut the mustard for admittance because they don't have the finances to get in.
1: Tell them how much the the uh, UVA's Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion makes. Do
0: you have that in front of you? You put this in front of me.
1: Yeah, it's two paragraphs down from the last one you wrote. You want
0: to read it? Why don't you read it so we have a different voice in the mix?
1: UVA's Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion earned... $374,850 in 2022, according to public records. In contrast, the average full professor salary in Virginia is
0: $111,190. I'm going to put this in perspective, okay? According to HUD, the median income per household in the Charlottesville metro area is 123300 Household median income, Charlottesville metro area, according to HUD, 123300 The average UVA professor salary is 111190 So the average UVA professor salary is under the HUD median income of 111190 However, UVA's Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion earn 3X the HUD median income at 374850 in 2022 and his name, Kevin McDonald. First, we give props to Kevin McDonald. Kevin McDonald, yeah. you're banking $374,850. The HUD median income is a buck three you You're 3X above HUD. If your partner's working, you guys are living a gravy train kind of life in the Charlottesville metro area. Props to you, Kevin McDonald. You can negotiate a hell of a deal and a hell of a contract. The question I have for you, A, should UBA's vice president for diversity, equity, and inclusion earn... Three and a half times the salary of an average professor. The second question I have for you: Should the University of Virginia have three full-time paid admins on staff for every thousand students? For no, excuse me. Let me change that again. Should UVA pay one full-time admin per three undergraduates? Yeah. And as all this bloat causing tuition to escalate at rates where the student body gentrifies into white, wealthy, and homogenous? These are effing fair questions. Are they not fair questions? Yeah. These are questions we should all be asking. How do you have diversity, equity, and inclusion when your path to education is one of supreme and extreme wealth the opposite of diversity equity and inclusion is a path or gateway that's based on extreme wealth for admission it may make you uncomfortable this conversation but it's conversation that needs to be had And Deep Throat has this comment. Is Deep Throat still watching? You still there? is, Is he lurking in the shadows? He's lurking in the shadows, Deep Throat. He says this. In addition to making the education unnecessarily expensive, it brings employees into the housing market. Then when the DEI flunkies have to commute in from Fluvanna County, they whine and their SJW friends demand upzoning. Deep throat. Deep throat. Deep throat. Calls it as he, see, as he sees it. Now he has the ability of calling it as he sees it. Because he's hiding in the cloak of darkness behind anonymity. But he is often, often very much on point. No doubt. Ask the questions that matter, even if they make us uncomfortable. Next topic. I want to get to John Blair's topic the email that John Blair sent. John's still watching. John's number two in the family. Can we get his photo on screen, please? Then we'll get to Ludwig Kootner and his brouhaha, his fisticuffs, his backyard bra. All right, that's hyperbole. According to, the, uh, according, to the, uh, according to the law, it was an elbow. And can we cut to the chase here? I love Ludwig. Ludwig's a friend of mine. Do business with the Kootners. This is a friend of mine. He is a huge asset to the community. Huge asset to this community and what he has done for Charlottesville. Please, someone get Ludwig in the mix. He's also 77 years old. He's a spry and physically fit. A strong 77. It's good to know. And there's nothing I enjoy, there's few things I enjoy seeing more than Ludwig Kootner whisking around the city of Charlottesville on a yellow Vespa without his helmet on, his his luscious locks blowing in the wind behind him as he goes 35 miles an hour through High Street, Belmont, Woolen Mills, and downtown Charlottesville with a grin from ear to ear as if he was the Cheshire Cat with a sleeve of Ritz crackers and a tin of Cheese Whiz. All then. John Blair's email. Here are my thoughts on Almaro County's closing of schools. Feel free to share if you would like. While I understand, can you put the lower third on screen? Have you got that? Yeah. Ah, you're a gentleman and a scholar. Thank you. Would you, could you read the email or should I read the email? Are you going to read that email in Barry White voice or monotone traditional voice? <laughs> Why don't I read the email and you respond? Okay, you're a good idea, June. While I understand that it's easy to be portrayed as a, quote, get-off-my-lawn type or Grinch regarding the closure of Almoral County Schools today, I think it's worth noting the following. Almoral County's winter break began when school ended on December 15th. The kids did not go back to school until January 2nd. The kids attend school attended school on the 2nd through the 5th of January four school days. The kids attended school from January 8th through the 12th, five school days. The kids only attended one day of school this week, and that was two hours late. Next week, Almaro County schools are off on the 25th and 26th for teacher work days. So in 44 calendar days, this is crazy, in 44 calendar days from December 16th to January 29th, the kids have been in school for 13 days, assuming there are no weather delays, cancellations next week, and one of those days was two hours late, January 18th. It does not take a Curry School PhD to understand that this is not optimal for the students. As with all things education, the kids most affected by this calendar are the kids who are struggling the most. The New Yorker and other national publications have recently ran stories about chronic absenteeism. One of the parents of the New Yorker article said a major factor in this trend is the fact that schools act like they don't want to be open. The schools close for any and all types of weather or other conditions. Kids internalize that and start to feel like school really isn't a big deal. I sincerely worry that we're setting the same example in Almar County, if you're a kid who already doesn't like school and doesn't see a lot of use in it, is the school only be open, being open 13 to 44 days really giving a good message to those kids? Excellent email. Yeah, where do you want to begin on this? Last week school was closed because of rain and wind. Yeah, rain and wind closed Albemarle County schools last week. Where do you want to begin, Judah Wickower?
1: I mean, he makes a great point about. Uh, <clears throat> and i don't know if he even goes far enough uh, it's the kids that the kids that don't need the help are fine and they're not going to have any problem having a few extra days off but yeah the kids that uh that are already struggling uh not only are they missing out on you know much needed time in in class uh they're also as he points out getting uh possibly a mixed message about uh, how important really is school when it gets called off at the uh, the merest sprinkling of
0: snowflakes. There it is. Counter, or, or I will add that the private school schedule is much more prolific during this period with in-person education. Yeah, The private school kids in this same period of time have gone to school more. I'll also add the families that have the means can get outside support for kids when it comes to school. Yeah. Tutors, no doubt. one-on-one tutoring, group tutoring. If you're a stay-at-home parent, you may have more time to work with your kid with helping them learn or do their homework as opposed to families that have two parents that both work. Mm -hmm. We're setting up this generation. And a lot of this generation that's in public school right now, in private school right now, is still associated with years lost during COVID and the pandemic. We should have spent the time, and we're not that far removed from COVID and the pandemic.
1: And it may be coming back.
0: Maybe coming back? What are you talking about?
1: You haven't heard about the rise of COVID cases?
0: I don't think that's going to lead to the closing of schools, though. No.
1: no. no. I don't think we're ever going to have the
0: government tell us to stay home and to shut us down and to lock us down again. Yeah. I don't think Americans will go for that. But we should be playing catch-up. We should be playing catch-up. We should not be playing, oh, it's windy outside, let's close them down. Or like today, like C.C. Marks just sent me in the DM. Uh, no school. No school. But we can have our basketball game tonight. No school. Roads are too dangerous when the sun is out. And when temperatures are at their hottest during the day. But um, the, the, the key club and the forensics club can meet uh, this evening after sunfall, when the temperatures are five degrees colder and the roads have gotten a little bit icier. There is no school today in Alamaro County. But um, if you're trying to get a heavyweight wrestling championship title, you show up in your singlet, and you better start rubbing some skids on the map to get that trophy. What example or message are we sending to children who are fresh out of lockdown or lost a year and a half of school during COVID? And do we truly understand the impacts of what's going to come? The same children that are byproducts of a iPad, iPhone, and screen-dominant era of life and living the same children who are byproducts of 18 months of wearing a cloth over their face, impacting verbal and communication skill sets to levels we still do not know. Good luck, everybody, in your junior varsity basketball games tonight wherever you're lacing up your high tops and stepping on the hardwood to compete for four eight-minute quarters of JV Jefferson District basketball as opposed to learning ABCs, one-two-threes, United States history, creative writing, earth science, and other educational merits that seem to fall in the back seat of extracurricular activities. All right. The last topic of today's show. On the Friday edition of the I Love Seville show. Judah Wickhauer is on fire today, isn't he? I mean, on absolute fire. Ludwig, friend of the program, got in a bit of a dust-up with a busker. This article by Hall Spencer in the Daily Progress. Ludwig, Ludwig is a friend of mine. He is... Done a fantastic amount of positive for the community. He has to um, stay away from a street musician. Hall Spencer reports for 90 days or risk a possible assault conviction. The court. This case came before Charlottesville court on Thursday. The busker um, asserts that this has been a long-running dispute with Ludwig. The busker is 58 years old, Ricky T. Webster. He alleged that 77-year-old Ludwig Kootner elbowed him in the chest in October. Mr. Kootner wanted to push the 58-year-old busker away from Central Place. Central Place is home to Petit Pois, Quarter Juice, Zocalo Restaurant. Mr. Kootner owns Central Place. I think this is a massive waste of taxpayer resources taking an incident that involved a 77-year-old elbowing a 58-year-old to court literally to the point where a assistant prosecutor and a judge had to spend time on this I think this is an unfortunate little piece of storied data on the internet that's going to impact the legacy of Ludwig. Ludwig, one of the handful of primary owners of real estate on the downtown mall, he owns Ix Park, owns Central Place, owns a number of buildings downtown. Ludwig, one of the inspirations behind the Friends of Seaville nonprofit that's trying to beautify downtown Charlottesville. Ludwig, a global real estate magnate, legitimately global real estate magnate, a hotelier, a financier, an investor of businesses around the area, a shrewd businessman, a guy who's helped make Charlottesville into a Charlottesville that we know today. If it wasn't for Ludwig and his business partner, Alec Kajin, the bi-coastal attorney, who is a very prolific real estate owner himself, the Ix Park would be a shadow of what we know it today. Hmm. There would be no farmer's market at Ickes if it wasn't for Ludwig. There likely would be no three-notch at Ix. There hmm. likely would not be an eclectic portfolio of local merchants at Ickes. The story here, I think, is not that a 77-year-old man is elbowing a busker. The story is that the busker is utilizing handmade drums and performing at levels that way surpass potentially the noise ordinance levels of Charlottesville. And I ask a very fair question. Should the city enforce noise ordinance rules again? Because for so long, the police, and it's not the police fault, they don't have the resources to do all the policing they once did. And when they start to do genuine policing, a portion of the city throws shade on them. The Gilligan gang. I don't think buskers or the clapping man or the shepherd stick. What's the shepherd stick called? What did I call it? Staff. What are we going to call the clapping man's counterpart who carries the staff around? The guy who carries the shepherd staff is not as physically muscular as loud clapping man. What is staff carrying man called? Are we going to call him the loud shepherd all right, we got the loud shepherd. Good idea, Judah. We'll call him the loud shepherd. We got the loud shepherd, and we got clapping man, and we got, what are we going to call, homemade, drum, homemade drummer, the guy who made the homemade drums, and profi- prophesizes about Jesus Christ while banging his homemade drums. What are we going to call him? Oh, his nickname is the preacher man, according to Hall Spencer. He can be found in the warmer months, according to Hall Spencer, dancing, playing the keyboard, and tapping, upturned, five-gallon buckets. So we got the loud shepherd, we got the clapping man, and we got the preacher man. If the loud shepherd, the clapping man, and the preacher man are not staying within noise ordinance regulations, should those ordinances be enforced? I would think so. Right? Right? Why aren't they being enforced?
1: I'm sure nobody wants to be the one to say, hey, we're sending cops to uh, to disrupt people on the downtown mall.
0: Is that why? are they not being enforced because of i think they're not political being, perception collateral damage
1: i think they're not being enforced because of the optics of shutting people like that down somebody's going to come along and say you can't do that you're interfering with their free speech or
0: you're interfering with them because of the color of their skin 2024 ladies and gentlemen John Blair says this thank you for reading the email I don't want my email to be construed as critical of ACPS or the school board rather it is a hope that we can find some ways to give students some sort of learning opportunities even when there are weather closures and that's what I said earlier in the week we had all this significant infrastructure allocated to virtual learning and we just threw it away I'm all fine for fun and snow days. Yeah, an actual snow day. An actual snow day. But wind and rain are not snow days. Days where kids can play junior varsity basketball or have a debate in forensics or have a key club meeting to talk about better locker room access in the middle school of an Almoral facility, those being prioritized over actual learning in classrooms is befuddling and flabbergasting. Albert Graves, everyone in Almaro County just got another tax hike on the overinflated property values, but UVA pays no personal property taxes, and yet they continue to raise their tuition rates. Why? Great because question. Because
1: they need... Because they need money to pay all the. Uh... Because
0: evidently the uh, vice president of DEI gets 3x the HUD median income. Yeah. And they got one full time admin per three undergraduates.
1: Mm hmm. That's got to
0: be costly. James Watson says I've had children in both public and private. Private schools get more holidays in the fall and sometimes longer breaks. If they have international students, it doesn't really matter because parents are often able to handle the days off in private schools. It's difficult, however, for the public schools surrounded by rural and mountainous areas to get everybody in safely. That's a lot, a lot of it as well. Mm-hmm. The private schools aren't offering public transportation. Private schools, the parents drive the kids to school, so it's drive to and from school at the parents' risk. Public schools are providing school bus transportation. Neil Williamson also said with um, Albemarle County, they're relying on VDOT to clear the roads where Charlottesville City owns their roads and they can be the driving force for clearing them. Furthermore, Charlottesville's 10.2 square miles. It's a much tighter geographical area where Albemarle County Public Schools is vast and robust. This is the Friday edition of the I Love Seville show. If you thought Judah Wickhauer and I did a good job today, please put in the comments section, good show or job well done, Judah. Tell your friends about the gospel. Share the show. Spread the gospel. Thank you kindly for joining us. We're back in the saddle on a Monday. For Judah, I am lowly Jerry Miller. So long, everybody.